Uh, oh god. Uh, hello, welcome to the series. This is the movie. No sound, no subtitles. Trying to figure out what the hell is going. Okay, I got it. I got it. I can do the intro. Okay, 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 okay. Are we? Are we good? Are we going to start the intro? Yeah, I think we're good to go. Okay. Hello and welcome to Unsound Theories. I'm Kat. I'm Kira. And we watch movies with no sound and no subtitles and try to figure out what the hell is going on. Spoiler! We, oh, we super did not. On this one, we extremely did not. <laughs> I think I the man from Earth does. Yeah. Except we yeah. figured that one out. We did is the thing i think we can figure this one out too actually i know exactly what it's about okay if we put our minds to it we'll come up with some sort of plausible plot structure for this yes um i do think that i nailed it in that this is either like a sequel or prequel or gritty reboot for the lorax oh no okay yeah i mean it's it's Lorax adjacent, that's for sure. It's, yeah, this like it's there's a shot of a dude sitting in a desert while he looks at a very smoky city. Like that's that's Lorax shit. That's yeah. that's extremely Loraxian. That said, we didn't have Ed Helms's terrible singing, so well, at we least also we were... didn't have Ed Helms's terrible singing when we watched the Lorax. some reviews of this movie and they said that the music was very bad so i i mean <laughs> very bad is very subjective when it comes to music it might just be something that's not to that person's taste you know yeah i mean for me the music in the movie was very good because i i did another album sync happy to report okay. Um, I listened to the album Sorceress by Opeth, and okay. there were approximately zero sync points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Opeth seems like an interesting band to listen to, given this whole movie and what I know about Opeth. Um, I listened to a playlist on Spotify uh, called Klez Punk, their Yiddish or punk rock. Oh my god, Kai, what are you doing with your life? Listening to Klez Punk. I've been <laughs> so okay. Hyper focus minute time. Okay, go. Uh, my current hyper focus, and it's been a hyper focus now for, I guess probably like, who oh god, like going on two months has been learning Yiddish. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like two months into learning Yiddish. I'm listening to music in Yiddish. I'm practicing writing in Yiddish just to annoy people. Specifically, all of the food that we have labeled is labeled in Yiddish so that Emma has to oh my deal God. with that. Because uh, I am up visiting Emma for the next Why? month. <laughs> Why are you doing this to Emma? Should we talk about the movie that we also haven't said the name of yet? Uh. No, because we're still in the hyperfocus minute and you have to show oh, your hyperfocus. Hyper my hyperfocus right now, I think I'm probably still stuck on VTubers. Um that that's fair. That's entirely we've been at some point in every single recording that we've done for Checks with Dice over the last like three months, we've started singing Chug Jug. Mm. <laughs> oh no. I'm so sorry. You don't you don't love to hear it. That's fine. That's not a bad song. I do. I, I still think the Nyaner's version of Chug Jug is the best one, though. It is superior. Yes. Um, that said, I, did you watch that 
Yanner's clip where she was acting like a 13 year old boy on Fortnite. Yes. Yes. That was, <laughs> that was transcendent, I would say. Okay, do we want to talk about this movie? Yeah, let's talk about the movie that is called Everything Beautiful is Booty Shorts and Robots. That's what I titled the um, the episode. The actual movie is called Everything Beautiful is Far Away. So we have a total of, I think, four characters in the entire movie. Like, there are a total four. of four yeah, yeah, actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four, yeah. It's a very bare bones. Because they're in a desert. They're in a desert. Anakin Skywalker would fucking hate this movie. Absolutely. Um, so, full disclosure, before I watched this movie, I did take an edible. I so I had a 20 milligram edible while watching this movie. And I was in space for this movie. <laughs> Hell yeah. Do you do you think this movie takes place on Earth? A uh, future, uh, mm, potentially a desolate future Earth. Potentially a, um, like a colonized planet somewhere in the distant realms where um, I don't know. The food seems like the f so they they do a lot of questing for food. Their food was insane. It was all like like actual real world things but it was a root vegetable all of the foods were they were root vegetables mm -hmm. um and it was like a turnip with fucking green sharpie on it yep but see okay here's an important part the turnip with green sharpie is edible right the turnip yes. without green sharpie will kill you yeah which is a little bit on the nose i feel yeah probably, and then there was there was a a fucking uh, pear with like magic marker dots on yeah, it. Yeah, it, it was yeah. like a pear strawberry hybrid, but like it was basically but someone was took a like a vegetable. edible marker oh. and yeah, everything. Yeah. There was also the nutrition cube, is what I called it, where you like yeah, there was a fruit uh, a root vegetable that grew in the shape of a cube. Yeah, that which was is also wild. edible. Yeah, the nutrition cube. NutriCube. NutriCube from Nabisco. So do we want to talk about a general plot summary of this movie? General plot. People walk through desert. Yes. So we that's have the movie that we did it. That's the yeah, movie. That's the, 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 I guess that is kind of the plot of the movie as far as we could visually understand it. We have a main a main man who I believe did go to Professor Oreo's school for ovoid boys. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because originally in the establishing shot, I thought there were two ovoid boys. <laughs> I legitimately couldn't tell him apart from himself. Oh, no. <laughs> um, this man has a robot head that he carries around with him. Yeah. Which looks like a plastic like Halloween skull with a wooden mask taped over the front and some creepy animatronic eyes in it. Mm hmm. It's it's a very like what if steampunk but instead of brass they used wood. Mhm. Mm and it's like very He also has he also has wooden goggles. Yes, he does. Which is actually I think pretty neat. Can't imagine it's comfortable, but yeah. Uh, the, so there's a lot of questions that come about because as he's traveling through the uh through the desert he occasionally happens upon some um, like piles of scrap metal. Yeah. Like it's satisfactory and you just found a computer terminal. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes there's a battery that he can hook up to the robot to give it power for. Right. He finds like a small battery and the robot has life for a moment. Um, somewhere along the way, he finds a woman Yes. Who had eaten one of the bad turnips and was dying. So he puts the turnip antivenom in her mouth and, and she survives. And her ears. Yes. So she gets turnip antivenom in all of the orifices and survives. <laughs> yes. And then she's like, actually, fuck off. I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. And then he tries to open in some sort of container and it explodes and shoots shrapnel into his forehead. Yep. And then she comes across him and saves him. 
And then they become friends and he explains everything about the robot. Uh, So I was, as I mentioned, on edibles, which meant I was trying to like to gain a universal understanding by connecting to these characters mentally through a connection that I had established to the magical (laughs) power of marijuana. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And I, I tried to intuit their names by lip okay. reading because okay. when when the man introduced himself to the woman he was like he like pointed at himself and said something he pointed at the robot head and said something um so i interpreted his name to be gordo based on what i lip read so the, the lip reading is my name false. is gordo and this is schmiel <laughs> that's not even a little bit right I know, but sure. Yes, because I saw the ending credits. Oh, I ignored the ending credits. Let's finish this plot summary. Then we'll point out the very, very odd things. Um, I named the woman Sophie, but her name is spelled Sophie, S-O-F-I. And then her middle initial is T and her last name is Ware. So her name is Sophie T. Ware. Um, That's like software. Oh my goodness. Um, also, Gordo's name is Gordo Ricordo. <laughs> and Schmiel is just Schmiel. Just Schmiel. A meal of uh, a Schmiel. So when the thing explodes. No, I, we're going to finish the pot summary. Then. <sighs> so Gordo, Schmiel, and Sophie are wandering through the forest. Um, by forest, by forest you mean I mean desert. desert. They're wandering through the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, <laughs> and they they fight about the robot for a little bit. They like have these arguments about stuff. Yeah, there's one point where she discovers like a new food thing and he's like, no, you can't eat it. It might be poisonous and they don't know. And then she eats it anyway and it's fine. Right. And he's like scrambling through his bag for the antivenom and she's like, I'm fine. So they end up eating these fucked up pears with Sharpie on them. Yeah. Um, okay, so I have some hmm, some thoughts that we'll get to. They eventually I have a come lot up, of thoughts. They come upon another person who um, I named Randy. Okay. Uh, Randy That's good does his name is any. Randy does not want anything to do with uh, Sophie, Gordo, and Schmiel, and just keeps walking. Yeah, he's just like fuck off. I'm leaving. Bye. And they spend like a minute of the movie talking mm-hmm. to him and then he leaves and they never encounter him again that's his only part in the movie mm-hmm. and that's the only character other than the three of the main characters so okay um oh there's also some birds yes so i think i can kind of intuit maybe what the plot might have been um yes so i think uh, Gordo was exiled from the city because he wanted to uh, carve a mouth hole on his robot so it could suck his dick. Okay, that's not where I was going. Okay, I thought where he was exiled going? for being like too. I, I think like it. I think it's a civilization where if you commit a crime, you are exiled to the desert, uh-huh. no matter what kind of crime you committed. Which is why everyone's a little distrustful of each other. It's like, okay, okay well, what, what did you do to get deserted? What do you think he did? Um, I think he fucked the robot. So we're on the same page. Yeah, they took the robot's body away so he couldn't fuck it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he also had like a like a comic that he was working on. Samurai weeb comic. Yeah. It seemed pretty okay, but like it was definitely I mean, very was, anachronistic. Art was fine. The art was um, the art was pretty decent for being able to uh, basically only doing it with some pens he had salvaged from inside the desert. Yeah, it was it was fine. It was fine. He was very protective of it. It worked pretty well. It was a good good. There's a lot of like little things in this movie that gave it a lot of charm. I got wicked palpable manic pixie dream girl trope vibes oh my god yes like i think sophie well first of all there's a lot that was that this is my biggest nitpick basically okay 
end of the movie, they're running out of food and water. They find these mysterious pears. They enjoy the pears. They keep walking. They find the ocean. They live at the ocean for a while. And then the movie ends. Yeah. It's sort of an... Yeah, it's just sort of... It's, it's a movie where they just sort of walk for a while and then it's over. Basically, basically yeah. They do catch a fish. so they've... They do also find like a longer lasting battery thing for the robot. So yes, they, they find can... a, like a good power source for Schmiel. So Schmiel is alive for like the last third of the movie. Yeah, they do also. Oh, my God. They have the fucking absolute wildest method of getting water in the desert want to describe it he has like a like a like a foot and a half long piece of pipe with a water spigot on it and a little crank on the top and he just jams it into the water into the ground like two inches and cranks the crank and clean water comes out Mm -hmm. i i have to imagine that's some sort of like crazy advanced sci-fi technology that we just don't understand or something uh maybe or like, maybe it's just like magic like the crank i mean yeah like the crank is a sonic resonator that draws the water in the ground up but leaves everything else or something like that yeah but sometimes it doesn't work so he has to like walk a little ways away and try it at a different spot very odd and- so I've learned about like water tables in college mm-hmm. and the the places he picks that like might have water near the surface. No, he did it yeah. bad. You think he'd like pick places near the numerous plants that exist in this desert. Unless or the plants like are mostly not... toxic and he doesn't go near the plants because he doesn't trust them to not be toxic. Or like or like not on the side of a hill (laughs) yeah that's that's a bad idea yeah (sighs) they also i don't know if this is this may be just sort of like a far future genetic engineering thing but both of them are extremely white in the desert and never get sunburned that's the that's the major complaint that i had is that like Sophie is wearing booty shorts for a significant portion of this movie and is like fucking as pale as the sand. She's like bleached paper white. Despite being out in the sun literally every day. All day, every day. No shade whatsoever, except from her wild, quirky hair. Yep. So what the undercurrent that like, I think like, the generalized structure of this movie is that I think um, Gordo and Schmiel are uh, Gordo's trying to get a battery for Schmiel and then find like the promised land sort of thing. It's like the opposite yeah. of Waterworld. It's like inverted Waterworld. Mm-hmm. You know how like the story in Waterworld is about Kevin Costner trying to find land. Yeah, this is the reverse of that. This is them trying to find water. So this is Sandworld. Yes. Or I guess we could come up with a shorter name for it. Dune? Could could we call it hmm. Dune? Because like it's like a sand dune? Maybe. I think they might have been a little too rhythmic for it to be called Dune, though. <laughs> oh, another thing I noticed. Did you, okay, so her outfit is... Mm-hmm. Impractical. Um, impractical at best... Did you notice she's wearing a fucking bra and she sleeps in it? Yep. <laughs> I figure when the when you get exiled or whatever, it's just like, hey, who needs a bra anyway? But she was wearing one. She was. Yeah, she no, was. It makes no she, sense. I just, uh, hmm. And she slept in it. Like, how does she still have circulation in the upper half of her body? She's been wearing a bra for like six days or whatever. I mean, like, I know people who sleep in bras. I don't understand them, but I know them. I I can sleep in like a comfy ass sports bra for like a nap. But I can maybe do like a um, like a T-shirt bralette. I could see that. But no, this thing's got like cups and everything. I assume that was a directorial choice. I mean, yeah, it was a very uh, 
There were, there were a lot of directorial I choices. I don't want to say that this movie necessarily had like an explicitly male gaze to it, because I don't think it did. I think no. it had a fairly neutral gaze, but I think it's just a case of male directors not understanding how boobs function, you know? Yeah, very much so. Or like, at least not what it's like to be a boob owner, you know? Yeah, exactly. So it was it was interesting. Why do you think she was in the desert? Oh, what did she get exiled for? I want to say that she got exiled for like, um, okay, so I guess we have to kind of conjecture what kind of society this this far flung city that we only get a glimpse of is. Well, they've completely like decimated the environment and like desertified it. Unless the planet was already like that and they've only just terraformed a select area. True. But the the shot of the city was very like pollution-y and, and gross. Do we think it's like a do we think there's like inequality or is it like one of those like this is a utopia until you break the rules kind of thing? What if what if it's like what if it's like post robot war? Oh. And he was exiled because he like wanted fell to build a new a robot. robot or I got something. You. And she, I don't think she was exiled. I think she voluntarily left because she's just like so quirky and carefree and down to earth. That's why she goes sledding on a piece of metal down a sand dune. Yeah. So she just left to like reconnect with nature and stuff and to find Find herself. A sad, sensitive, lonely artist man to really just sort of make his life better. And by better, we do mean worse, because that's what Manic Pixie Dream Girls do. (laughs) So, like, I think a lot of the movie is a conflict between the two principal characters about their belief in the ocean. Okay. Like, it's clear that the ocean is incredibly far away, just like from how it's staged from this city. And it's like maybe most... Most exiles stay near the city because they can reliably find like food and stuff like that. Or they just like think they'll be let back in something like that. And his idea is if we just keep walking, we might find this mythical thing called the ocean where there's infinite water. And I was like, kind of hoping there would be a dramatic, ironic reveal where they find this font of infinite water that will kill them if they drink it. I mean, that's sort of what the ocean is. Yeah. <laughs> right, but it, it it wasn't played like a tragedy, right? Them finding they, the ocean was a joyous thing. They found the ocean and then just sort of didn't do anything, anything for the rest of the it. movie. They didn't do anything. He did go fishing once in the ocean, which is absolutely wild. He was carrying a fucking fishing rod and tackle in his desert trek. But I Unless guess he, he truly firmly believed go. if he was an oceanist. <laughs> yeah, he's maybe that's why he got exiled is for oceanism. OK, yeah, I can see this. Right. Like he was preaching about the existence of the ocean and how humanity can return. But and, and so she's following him because she's just like so quirky and like kind of naive and impressionable, but just like really you know, makes him smile and laugh. Yeah, this this is one of those movies. I did want to, like, they made some interesting choices in this movie uh, with regards to um, watching without sound. Because the robot didn't have a mouth. So yeah, we couldn't we lip read on no way. We, we had <laughs> no way of knowing... If or when it was speaking. Its eyes lit up when it was speaking, I thought. Okay. At least I saw something like that. There was, or I there hallucinated was it eye... because, again, I was very high. <laughs> there was some eye lighting up at some point. I don't know if it was connected to, like, when it talks, but it was very... I mean, obviously, they they didn't have us in mind when they made the movie, which I think is an oversight. I think more movies should spend time making sure their message is communicated effectively through only visuals for people like us. 
Exactly. They should start like, making movies for unsound theories. Is what I'm getting. Uh, at. That's what that's what I'm saying. They should have known we were gonna watch it, and like they should have known in 2017 when this movie was made that in 2021 we would be watching this movie. Exactly. Like, how do these people have such little foresight? It's mm-hmm. it's and and they're allowed to make movies, and we're. Like we we haven't made a movie. No, we shouldn't make a movie. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> or we should. What kind but of I movie? Think, would, okay, let's talk think, about this. What kind of movie would you want to make? I think A Quiet Place is the unofficial Unsound Theories movie. Okay, okay, yeah, I could see that. But it's it's unofficial. It's a fan uh, creation. Okay, here's. Let's take the plot structure and try to analyze what would make something a good movie for Unsound Theories. Okay. So, like, let's take a simple plot structure that relies on dialogue to establish the structure of the plot, but is fairly readily understandable. Uh Uh-huh. The example that I'm going to give here is the lemon-stealing whores porno. Oh, I thought you were going to say the crudes. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Why on earth would I say the crudes? <laughs> Why was that a pull? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it just sort of came out of my brain. <laughs> okay, I was going for lemon stealing horror porno. Okay. Right, so like the establishing shot before you get to the fucking is these two people talking about how much they love their lemons and how much they love having lemons on a lemon tree and they hope that there are no lemon-stealing whores stealing all their lemons. And then it cuts to a woman in a mesh bodysuit stuffing lemons into her bodysuit from their (laughs) lemon tree. Yes. That is good. That would be good Unsound Theories content. Should we start watching porn? It would be should we start watching porn, but I don't think we're going to start watching porn and analyzing the plot of porn. I'm just saying, that's uh, that's, okay, that's, our, that's our like base level of his, uh, visual his, storytelling to plot structure, right? Like That's something thing, though. that leaves us inter- room for interpretation. While still being followable to a point. Here's the thing. <laughs> Worst idea of all time did porn. They're doing it right now. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't I don't think we have the natural Kiwi charisma of Tim and Guy. I mean, yeah, they're also doing they're they're doing a softcore porn series. Oh, okay. So it's not the same one over and over again. God, that would be harrowing to try to do. Just constantly watching one porno ever. Yeah. No, it's like a 50 something movie, like legacy series that started in like the 70s. Oh, my God. (laughs) What's it called? (laughs) Emmanuel. Oh, okay. I have heard of that. Yeah. So they're doing that. And yeah, no, I, I like how Worst Idea of All Time has evolved, though. Um, anyway, enough about other podcasts. Um, yeah, we've been going for 45 minutes. Yeah, this is usually the part where we stop and start talking about what the movie was actually about and other okay. stuff, right? I mean, yeah, I can't imagine the plot summary is long, so let's no. go. Uh, okay, hold on, let me make sure that there's nothing. Oh, oh, I wanted to talk real quick. Before we move on to that, I want to talk really quickly about the special effects budget and mm-hmm. the props department. Oh, fucking props to the props department. At Matt, like they so the second battery, the thing that kept Schmiel running. Yeah. Was a pneumatic tube canister with LED strips in it that was rigged to look like a battery. Yeah. And like, I'm just very impressed with how well they designed that to make a pneumatic tube and LED strips look fairly convincing at first glance. 
to anyone who's not a props department nerd who's gonna pick apart okay how did they make that yeah no i i also keyed in on like the props they did some really clever stuff absolutely um now the special effects department so when that thing exploded did, did they don't have a special effects it. department no uh, maybe i don't know it looks like when the thing exploded and shrapneled our our boy uh gordo it was like a it, it's like they shot the thing in slow motion and then had him basically just like sit down yeah and then sped <laughs> it up yeah like he sat down and then laid down and then they sped that up but it was still noticeable that it was him like sitting down by falling onto his butt and then laying back yeah. unless it was reversed it might have even been reversed where he's laying on his back and he stands up i don't know it, it was i did notice it looked a little bit odd when he fell down. It looked very strange. Um, I yeah, I wonder what the whole deal with the uh, the city is though. I mean, like I'm I'm sure it's not answered at all. It's just like it's not answered why Randy was there, unless he yeah. was like someone returning from his quest <clears throat> to find the ocean after having given up, and he was there as like that final gatekeeper for their hero's journey that they had to surpass. And not I think give that might have been. I think that might have been it. Is is he's like, there's nothing in that direction. Why are you going that direction? And they're yeah. like, fuck you. We'll go farther than you. Fuck you. I won't do what you tell me. And then they kept going and found the ocean. Um, yeah. Okay. Last thing before we do our plot summary, I want to read some of the lip reading that I did while I was high. Okay. Um. Okay. So. Um, I I lip it, there was a conversation that they were having sat like talking about the robot and I was doing my lip reading and it looked like Gordo said I need to make him an asshole it's not like he'd poop every day though <laughs> to which Sophie says I don't like seeing his bowels I peed on his face it was fetish porn and then she takes oh, the no. robot head and I read in my notes oh my god she stole the robot head to piss on it more <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, what if the robot head does love piss? Hey, you know, if 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 Schmiel likes piss, then Schmiel likes piss, and I'm yeah, maybe not like the the best thing for a robot with electronics inside of it, but I mean, maybe it's good wood polish for the for the face. Maybe no. Uh, okay, <clears throat> do we want to break for mid roll here? Mid roll, it is. Hey listeners, is there a point in still doing the VCR sound if I actively acknowledge the mid-roll is happening and not interrupting the movie like in the style of MST3K? It's Kat here with this week's mid-roll announcements. This week, we dug back into the vault of episodes that we never finished editing to bring you a classic from Unsound Theories Legends. I hope you're enjoying the misadventures of Schmiel the Robot and her traveling companions. While I have you here, though... I wanted to tell you something really exciting. If you check the show notes, you'll find a link to a bundle of expansion content for Riley Rethel's Galactic 2E, a belonging outside belonging game inspired by a galaxy far, far away. For the next 19 days, you can get a wide array of expansion content for G2E, all at 50% off. The playbook I wrote for G2E can be found and purchased as part of that bundle as well. If you'd like to check out the playbook that I made and all of the other really incredible expansion content for a great game, now's your best chance to do so. I'm still finishing up the alpha of my tag team wrestling RPG, but I promise it's coming soon. If you'd like to keep more up to date on the release schedule and development logs for the game, you can check out my Tumblr, zaftycat.tumblr.com. If you'd like to see more gay shit from Kira, you can also follow her Tumblr, sapphire-mess.tumblr.com. I'm on Twitter at ZaftyCat, and Kira is on Twitter at sapphire underscore mess, with inconsistent branding between Twitter and Tumblr. If you'd like to support us, there are a few ways you can do that. First and foremost, you can tell someone about the show. We thrive on word of mouth, and our goofy brand of weird is the perfect thing to recommend to your friends, your polycule, your found family, your biological family, or your kismesis. You could also be our favorite people in the world and leave a review for the show on your podcatcher of choice. We're fans of Good Pods for their really neat shareability features, but whatever you prefer works. 
If you do leave us a review, let us know via tweet or Tumblr message, and we'll give you a shout-out on the show. Thirdly, we'd be so grateful if you were to support us on Patreon. We make this show because we love it, not because of the money, but a little support from you goes a really long way for us, so please consider that support. No integer dollar amount is too small. That's all for the mid-roll, so I'll let distant past me and Kira get back to talking about booty shorts and robots. Cue the VCR sound, I guess. Uh, let's talk tell about me, what this movie was actually tell about. Me, tell me what this movie was about. Boop, 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 boop. This is um, Everything Beautiful is Far Away is a 2017 independent science fiction fantasy film written by Peter Oz, starring Julia Garner and Joseph Cross. It premiered in competition at the 2017 Los Angeles Film Festival, where it received the U.S. Fiction Cinematography Award. The plot structure is traveling cr- across a barren landscape. L- Lernert. Lernert. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Lernert? Lernert. L-E-R-N-E-R-T. That's, Lernert that's a name. Digs through a pile of rubbish in an attempt to f- build a body for his companion, Susan. Susan and Schmiel, pretty close. Sorry, 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 sorry. Lernert and Susan. Lernert and Susan, yes. Okay, I'm getting more theories about this movie. I digs through piles of rubbish in an attempt to build the body for his companion, Susan, voiced by Jillian Mayer, the unresponsive robot head who hangs from the back of his pack. You could have just said from his backpack, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The pair comes across Rolla, played by Julia Garner, a spirited young woman who lacks survival skills, but makes up for the deficiency in sheer determination, a manic pixie dream girl. Yes. The unlikely trio navigates the harsh desert in search of a mythical water basin that could replenish their depleted resources and renew their will to carry on. The cast, all four people in this cast, Julia Garner as Rolla, Joseph Cross as Lernert, C.S. Lee as The Stranger, and Jillian Mayer as Susan. Okay, I have a theory. It um, won Best Feature at the Eastern Oregon Film Festival. I didn't go, but congratulations. Uh, Do you want me to read the other uh, awards that it's won? It was screened at the Tacoma Film Festival and won Best Director and Best Cinematography. (sighs) Dang, I missed that. Yeah, you really missed out on that one. I fucked up. By not going to the Tacoma Film Festival in 2017. Yeah. Alex Billington of FirstShowing.net reviewed the film positively, saying, There is a sublime simplicity to Everything Beautiful is Far Away that also helps make it feel even more endearing as a cinematic feature. Fair. Um, There's no information about the budget. I assume it was low. It had to have been. Um, do we want to find out what other things these people have been in? Um, I, I just want to put forth a theory. What if, um, okay, so we know that, uh, there were human robot wars, according to, I mean, I know this movie better than it knows itself, obviously. Yes, obviously. So, so there were human robot wars and one one piece of evidence we do get in the uh text in I guess the dialogue of the movie that um just sort of fills in a a a piece of of key uh information is the humans have weird fucked up names and the robot is named Susan a normal human name. Right. What if in the robot wars humans got transferred into robot bodies and robots got transferred into human bodies. Oh. Lernert is a robot name. And so yeah. is Rolla. That's true. And she does roll it down a hill. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what other things does Rolla do? Uh, Lernert, he's, he's all a learn. For most he's, of the movie, yeah, and he, he he's yeah, except for his human trapped in a robot head slave, mm-hmm. named Susan. Named Susan. So, um, Joseph Cross has been was a child actor in the movie Jack Frost. Oh God! He was also in Running with Scissors, Flags of Our Fathers, Untraceable, Milk, and Lincoln. 
All right. He was on the CBS soap opera As the World Turns. He looks... Look, I, I will say one thing. Watching this, I thought it was a, like a British movie. Yeah, no, it's an American movie. He looks extremely British. A little bit, yeah. He's from New Jersey. And uh, okay. specifically New Brunswick, New Jersey. Okay. Um, He was in Big Little Lies and uh, Netflix's Mindhunter. I've heard of that. I've heard it's good, I think. Maybe. I think, yeah. Maybe. I don't remember. What about Rolla? Rolla was played by Julia Garner, who... The daughter of Julia Roberts and Jennifer Garner? (laughs) No, I don't think so. Um, The clone hybrid of Julia Roberts and Jennifer Garner? No, her mother is Tammy Gingold. A therapist who had a successful career as a stand-up comedian in Israel. Um, and her father is Thomas Garner, a painter and art teacher from Ohio. Alright. She was in uh, Martha Marcy May Marlene in 2011, which is apparently a movie we're supposed to know. Uh, uh, she was in Perks of Being a Wallflower. I've heard of that. Yeah, this movie was Okay. So our theory is that they were exiled by their society for various crimes, right? He, he was. Which, and she went voluntarily because she's so quirky. Yeah. She could just feel that there was a lonely man who needed her in his life. To fix him. Yeah. Do you want some Amazon reviews? Because yes, there's some first. good ones. But first. Okay. I would like to read some YouTube comments because I rented this on YouTube. Okay, yes. Go. This movie is completely unrealistic. Just look at her. She should be severely sunburned. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So that is from Army of the Wolves two years ago. Army of the Wolves, I agree. Yeah. Unless um, there's some genetic engineering going on. Someone three years ago commented, this has Granddaddy written all over it. Granddaddy with a capital G. What does that mean? What does that? What what does that mean? It has Granddaddy written all over it. I was there a watermark in the video? (laughs) Nope. But Granddaddy. Granddaddy's (laughs) written all over it. All right. And then last YouTube comment that I want to read. I watched this movie when I was super high and I loved it from Majestic Vibes. <laughs> uh, Apparently the soundtrack was very good. According to really, this one person who said, who's here for Neon Indian on this soundtrack? Interesting, because I actually have a review here uh, that... It includes the phrase, the soundtrack might have its uses at Guantanamo. Okay, so that's clearly from someone who just doesn't like electronic music. (laughs) Okay, okay. And just has a vendetta against it for no reason. I think this person is old because part of that review also says, reveals a generational obsession for hydration as an existential concern indoctrinated in public schools. Oh my god, is this guy your new Bob G? <laughs> is this the new Bob G? Oh my god, we're gonna have to check him out. He might be the new Bob G. The Anytime anyone talks about Gremlin. indoctrination. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Michael Roberts gives it one star and says, I just couldn't bear it. And it, this one takes a wholesome turn, trust me. Okay, cool. I really tried, but to be honest, this is the first time I've reviewed a movie I couldn't bear to finish. I've always looked down on people who do that. I got sucked in by all the good ratings, which now I think must have been generated by those involved in the production, their friends and families. The music is torturous, the pace is slower than Dead Man, and excessive narration is never a good sign. It is worse than Jerry, where two guys go hiking and get lost 50 feet from their car. Some say the location is beautiful, but I live in the desert and they miss the best of it. Walking like that, everything will either bite or stick you if you don't dehydrate first. 
These people look like they had a bath and their clothes cleaned and pressed every five minutes. Sorry, I didn't intend to be harsh. It just came out. Okay. Yeah, so this guy complained about the desert not being realistic. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> we have another review um, from Mindbreaker, who gives it two stars and says, lowest budget science fiction ever. Yeah. <laughs> On the positive side, a three-year-old would have no difficulty understanding the entire movie. Might be a decent stress reliever, but not as good as a comedy or a documentary on trees. On the negative side, well, it seems so mean to say anything bad. I'd feel like I'd have to apologize to it. Like it was a little kid. It was not cruel. How can I be? Humanity. Without the usual greed and sociopaths. That, that that was surprise for a negative review that was surprisingly affirmative. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, if all negative reviews talked about simplicity and understanding and childlike wonder and everything like that in such a like affirming way, I think it'd be more down for negative reviews. We'd have a, we'd have a better world. Yeah. Ryan none of, the, none of the greed or whatever else he complained about yeah. the humans have. Ryan Brawley gives it two stars and says, if you are not an adult, you may like this. <laughs> this movie had some clearly improvised props. His water pump, a ratcheting wrench on top of a pipe with a spout attached. The battery at the beginning was actually a capacitor, and you can see he didn't strip the wire be before pushing it in the copper spring over the top of the compa capacitor. Silly little details. If you are an adult, you will notice these details. Unless you're an adult who doesn't, then lol, I guess you're like a child somehow. Anyways, about Why do you have to be so <laughs> condescending to people who don't understand electronics? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you're an ad unless you understand what capacitors look like you're not an adult yeah <laughs> um okay so we have another uh very good review let me find it da, da, da. oh yes yes mike gives this four stars and says worthwhile character study not an action or sci-fi flick. If you are looking for those, move on. This is a character study. There are some oddities in both script and settings that you will need to look past. Logical leaps. For some reason, perfectly good equipment lying around in the desert. I suspect this has more to do with the budget than anything else. But it is well played and worth watching if you're into that sort of thing. This is the sort of movie that ends up in the college drama course being endlessly debated for its meaning. Like, why did she find an oil filter in the middle of the desert where they could pump water out of the sand with a hand crank? Huh? Yeah, now I bet you are interested. <laughs> so you can watch it as a quick entertaining ride or watch it to endlessly debate the meaning. That's right. That's a good. That's a good. I like I, I like reviews like that. But yeah, these are good reviews. Um, da, 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 da. I think it's only until have... someone starts to bring up like, I don't know anti-semitic conspiracy theories and it starts to get a little iffy <laughs> we don't we don't love that we do not love that okay this is this is one of my favorite uh things this one is by a user named by rant or ruin truth who gives uh -oh. it five stars uh -oh. <laughs> this review's title a slow, contemplative journey with unwhitenessed hardship, and I was not in the mood. <laughs> and the text is, yet still it was excellent. The acting drew me in. I believed them. I found the desert becoming a static character that faded away. I found the quiet and stillness was done well as it created a vacuum for these characters to work their talent. Mm -hmm. In a similar position, it would be hard not to fall in love with Garner's various characters. Has she mastered being an actor or is there some parts of her that she carefully or skillfully matches to the roles she chooses? Once at this level, does it matter? Of course, we will never know until she makes a mistake in her career path that diverges from her now very talented path to a guaranteed life of stardom. If she does make a mistake, I have a feeling it won't matter. She is a lovely actor, and that breeds a dedicated fan base. Is she part of the Garner clan? 
I will have to look at her bio. Don't go off on an adventure without your water. Thanks for reading. Uh, so, one, this guy really, really, really wants to fuck Julia Garner. <laughs> Two. I mean, yes. Yeah, that's very yeah, good advice. The most miserable I have ever been was when I brought one liter of water for a two liter hike. And on the way back at my turnaround point, I almost died. Oh, no. Like it was all, all downhill and I was dehydrated the whole way. Oh, no. It was, it was, it was not a smart decision. Yeah. But it, you know, it reinforced the idea that you should absolutely always bring water before you go on an adventure and make sure you've packed enough. Yes. I packed enough for someone who's not on spironolactone. Uh, yeah. And that's my problem. You need more water than that. I need more water than that. I have one more review for you from Matthew, who gives it five stars and says, well, the review is titled Watched on Mushrooms. (laughs) (laughs) The text of the review is, I highly recommend a ton of symbolism. Well done. You know what? I admire someone who's that upfront about how they enjoyed the movie. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else you want to talk about or can we end this? We can we can end it. Okay. Um I, let's talk offline about next movies cuz I don't know that I'm yeah. going to have time to watch another movie and record another episode cuz I have to edit uh Tricks with Dice this week. But yeah, we no, should try fine. to meet up again next Monday. It'll be after I'm done with work, but we should try to meet up again next Monday and yeah, do another sure. episode. Let's do it. Awesome. Okay. Let's do it. Oh, we Get have to end the, the show. Huh? Oh, yeah. Thanks for listening. We sure didn't. Unsound Theories is a production of So Says Media. For the latest updates, follow our Twitter account at So Says Media. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. Comedy is best enjoyed together. All music on this episode was created by Sounds Like an Earful. Visit soundslikeanearful.com for more. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>